Sairam dear listeners and welcome to our series Trist with Divinity offering you every week conversations with people who have been touched by the love of Bhagwan Baba and today our guest in the studio of Radio Sai is someone special from Australia he has known Bhagwan when he was just 9 years old and when he shifted to Australia about more than 20 years ago since then he has been involved in the sai organization very actively he is known in canberra australia as a gentle soft spoken humble and extremely competent dentist in fact in november 2011 he found himself in the queen's birthday honors list and was awarded with the medal of the order of australia by the government of australia for service to the international community as a volunteer dental surgeon and where does he do volunteer work not only in australia but also in laos and more importantly in the sri satyasai general hospital prashantinilam he visits prashantinilam at least twice every year all the way from australia and serves in baba's hospital for 7 to 8 weeks each time and he says there is nothing more fulfilling for him than this chance to serve When Radio Manpasan, a community radio in Canberra, interviewed him recently, they spoke of him as a quiet achiever who has a Buddha-like personality. And anyone who has interacted with him cannot agree more with this. He has been practicing as a kind and loving dental surgeon since 1975. And this is the month of March 2012 and he is here in Prashantinilam again to serve in Baba's hospital. When I met him in the hospital the other day I requested him to come over to the studios of Radio Sai and given his humble nature he very very reluctantly agreed and we are indeed happy to have with us today Dr Narain Chalapa from Canberra Australia welcome doctor to the studios of Radio Sai thank you thank you first of all congratulations for the award from the government of Australia and you received it mainly for your active participation in the sai service activities and this happened in the month of november last year the month when we celebrate baba's birthday so how did it feel when you received the award from the governor general of australia well it was very humbling experience i didn't really expect to receive such an award and i think primarily it is a gift from swami and it is something which he would expect me to use if in any way to propagate his message and perhaps hopefully it led credence to whatever i say subsequently about swami and what he does i think through you a lot of people in the government also possibly heard about Swami and they knew about the activities of the yes. Satya Sai organization which is very heartening in fact i heard that interview uh, on radio manpasand and uh, the interviewer there started talking about the Satya Sai organization's activities and how yes. motto is love all serve all so that was really very heartening to hear uh, that through you a lot more people heard about Swami's message of love and service yes i think it was an opportunity which was given to me to basically tell about the sai organization about its activities what swami stood for about swami and 
In fact, when the Governor General gave me the award at Garmin, at, at her residence, it was with uh, some mention of the Satya Sai organization, what it stood for and what it was all about. So it was nice to know that Swami and his message gets across to to everyone. And this happened when they interviewed in the radio, on TV and so on. And as I said, I think the primary objective of Swami giving it to me was perhaps so that I could tell a little bit about him and what his devotees do. Wonderful. Yes. In fact, on the radio I heard they played uh, Swami's bhajan, yes. one of the Sai bhajans, yes. Prem Ishwar Hai, yes. Ishwar Prem Hai, and I felt so nice listening to that yes. because that bhajan is something which encapsulates in one manner the essence of Swami's teachings yes. and the entire uh, uh, community there listening to Swami's bhajan yes. and listening to someone who has been uh, practicing Swami's teachings of well, service. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying. I wouldn't say completely, but I'm yes. trying. But that yes. was nice to hear from uh, a Sai devotee, Sai doctor, sharing yes. Swami's message of love. That's wonderful. But how did this whole inspiration for service start in you? When did this happen? I think initially anyone who tries to call himself a Sai devotee tries to do what he feels Swami would like them to do. And Swami says, do service. So it starts off like that and I, I did service, I participated in service activities primarily to please Swami. Mm. It was not with the altruistic motive or feeling that I see divinity in everyone or that I want to serve from the depths of my heart or anything like that. It was because it was what he instructed us to do and so I did it. You loved yes. his message and you liked to do yes. what he wanted. To make him happy, happy with me. But subsequently, I think there comes a point anyone, whenever they help another, they feel good within. And after a while, it gets to a point where you want to increase that feeling, increase that state of goodness within. And so you continue doing things. And whatever Swami tells us to do gives us that inner feeling. And it becomes like an addiction. Yes. After a while. Wonderful positive addiction. Yes. yes. I remember a quote from William Wordsworth. He said, The best part of a man's life are his little, nameless, unremembered acts of love and kindness. Yes. Because I think the amount of happiness that one gets out of uh, reaching out to someone in need is something yes. that cannot be compared with anything that you can get by possessing something. True. And I think even you mentioned this award. It is nice to have received it, but it is nicer still to have a smile from Swami, the touch of Swami, 
uh, a nice word from him all those are worth much more yes yes of course they are irreplaceable, irreplaceable. treasures i know yes. so when did this love story with swami start i think well i was in year 9 when i first got a picture of swami got two pictures of swami i was at school and i'd heard about him and there was this young boy whose father was involved with the sai organization this was in the 60s and i got the two pictures and i placed them in our family altar i had also seen that the video or i'm sorry the movie of swami and shivaratri producing the vibhuti yes the torrential flow of vibhuti yes and that really struck a chord within me mm. and I you were just understand. nine no i was in year 9 so year i was nine. about 14 then 14 years yes so anyway that happened and then i went to study overseas and with that i didn't do very much i went for a couple of bhajans in england then i moved to singapore after i graduated i did a little i went for a few more bhajans couple of stu- study circles but very very intermittently and i think that was a stage which i always am reminded of michelangelo's picture in the sistine chapel Yes where there is god reaching out reaching he's reaching out and man just sits back and languorous languidly sitting back putting his hands okay if you want okay <laughs> but that was it and i think i was in that situation unfortunately because mm. had i realized what i was missing out on i would have probably tried to do more Mm. Friend when 1983 Swami Swami's grace I came to Puttaparthi and would that visit just happen like that I wanted to come mm. and I came and I was blessed with darshan and he gave me some vibhuti as well but again for many years I did nothing then I'm sure Swami wanted me to go to Australia the person who helped me with my visa to go there my first employer when i went there my first boss were all side devotees mm-hmm. i didn't have a car a side devotee gave me a car and like any other new migrant i was feeling very dejected at one stage when i was driving back in this car and lonely and then i saw swami's emblem there with his picture blessing and around it was why fear when i'm here oh. and it sort of grounded me a little mm-hmm. and made me realize he's always with me but then anyway, we subsequent to that we became more involved it was a small group of individuals in canberra and so we were called upon to do everything from service to the being involved in the spiritual wing to balvikas everything so as a result my wife and i were very involved in the sai activities in canberra early 90s i would come with my family every december and spend a month here with swami and then go back to continue work there 
And then fortunately in 2000, 2001, Swami gave me the opportunity to work here. And, uh, in the general hospital? In the general hospital. And uh, that was perhaps one of the best gifts in, in my life. When any opportunity is given, I think one should not reject it. One should take it up. Because once Swami came in a dream to me, and I was struggling to get to him. And when I got there, he told me to sing a bhajan. And I said, but I don't sing well. I don't know how to sing. And I didn't do anything. And then when I woke, I said, oh, how dreadful of me. I should have done it, you know. And I decided then and there, if I'm given an opportunity, I will do whatever I can. And so when this opportunity came, I'd wanted to work at the hospital here for many years anyway, but it wasn't possible. Then when Swami gave me the opportunity, I, I, I felt very blessed. Mm. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so which was the first year you served? This was around 2001 or so. so. Since 2001 you've been coming? I've been coming here. At least yes. twice a year. Yes. And Swami makes it possible. Mm -hmm. When He gives an opportunity, He makes it possible for us to, to do it. For example, I was a solo dental practitioner with my own private practice. And it was only about four or five months before I got this opportunity that I took on someone to work with me. Mm. And so when I came, there was someone to take over. And even after that, whenever one person left, someone would make sure another person would be there to work with me and make it possible for me to come. He made it... He, he, he created the facility and he he made it so that I could do it as well. Yeah, when you were so keen to do his work, he ensured that yes. your work went on smoothly. <laughs> yes. Mm. Wonderful. So can you please tell, tell us a little more about the activities that you are involved in in Australia and in Laos and then we'll come to the General Hospital to talk about well, it more in detail. In Australia, I used to be more active in terms of the Balbikas program and so on. And uh, recently, because of my having to go overseas, I've been rather pressured at work and I haven't been doing as much as before. Um, in terms of Laos, certainly, again, it's Swami's greatness. You see, he has a blueprint for everything. Yes. And he knows what's going to happen when. And we are just little pieces of jigsaws, pieces in, in the big puzzle. And when I came in 1983, I came by myself and I was placed in one of the local sheds. I was not used to it. And... The toilet facilities particularly I found very difficult. So I asked someone who was one of the security people near the bell tower at that time. And he said, go and ask someone in East Prashanti. Mm -hmm. So I went, I knocked on the door and I explained my situation. And I just asked him, could I use a corner of your veranda and your bathroom so that I can just stay here? And he very graciously said yes okay his name the only thing i knew about him was that his name was rommel rommel and he mm. said that he had been named by his father 
because he admired Field Marshal Rommel. Mm. But this gentleman told me everything about Swami. He, well, he told me everything, any doubts I had, he cleared. And he increased my understanding of what Swami was all about. But anyway, after about a week, I went back to Singapore and I didn't know anything about this gentleman and I lost contact for about 20 years. Then when I started working here, I spoke to someone and asked, do you know anyone called Rommel? And they said, there is someone and they gave me his email address. So I wrote an email to him and asked him and I said, this is what happened. This gentleman said he was named by his father for this reason. Are you he? So I got an email back saying he didn't remember me, mm-hmm. but it certainly was him. Okay. So I thanked him and I found out he was working in Laos okay. at the embassy at the time. Anyway, a couple of months later, I was in Canberra and someone who had worked in Laos previously and had now settled in Canberra told me that they were having a medical camp. So I thought, okay, let me ask if I can provide the dental component. So I sent an email to Mr. Rommel and he said yes and so I went and I was part of that and subsequently I tried to go once a year to do some work there. I wasn't able to go last year because of health reasons but I tried to go at least once a year and there's an institute for the blind where the children come and they are treated and we maintain their health. But basically, the thing is that Swami put me in contact with this gentleman 20 years earlier. Mm. And then at the correct time, he put me in contact again so that I could go and do something in Laos. When I think about it, the mind boggles. Mm. We don't understand what is in store for us, what he wants us to do. But things unravel in the course of time. And uh, it made me realize the majesty of Swami. He has a plan for each one of us and it unfolds like a movie. (laughs) One scene after another. (laughs) I will request you to share with us some more of such uh, indelible moments of His love and grace, His protection. Because every side devotee has a treasure chest of such moments. In terms of his omniscience, in the 90s I used to come and with my family and I used to help out in the western canteen, cutting vegetables, serving and so on. And I spent my whole day there literally, getting up at about 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. And I enjoyed it. But there were naturally times when I feel a bit dejected. Now, once I remember telling my wife at lunchtime, I said, doctors, teachers, all those people, they get such access to Swami. He knows them. He knows what they're doing. What will he know about me who is just cutting vegetables here? Mm-hmm. And I told her that. And then I was walking to go to Darshan that afternoon and then suddenly Swami's car comes along mm-hmm. and he walks into the western canteen. Walks into the western canteen? the western canteen. Which year was this? Oh, this was, I can't remember, 93, 94, something mm-hmm. like that. So I ran, my son was with me, I pulled him along <laughs> 
and I ran to the back entrance to try and get in. But this, there was a big crowd. They said, no, 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 you can't come in. So everyone was inside and I just stood by the area where they cut vegetables right at the back entrance. So my son and I were standing there. There's no one else. And who comes by? Swami finishes everything inside the mandir. Then he walks to the back and he comes straight to the door inside where the we canteen. were standing. In the western canteen, to mm. the back door where people cut vegetables. Mm. My son and I And he was... Just there, I was here, my son was there, and he stood there for a good minute or so mm. and gave me darshan. Mm. So it was just immediately, virtually after I said that to my wife, that he came and showed us, I do listen to you, mm. you know. Yes. And another thing that happened that I can't forget, Swami gave me a ring many years after, well, after I started working at the hospital at an interview. And one day, about two or three years ago, it was November after Swami's birthday, I woke up one night and my ring had gone. Mm-hmm. And I woke up my wife and I said, my green ring, it's not here. And we took all the bed sheets out, checked, looked around the the laundry. I went into the surgery. I checked in the garbage bins in case I left, dropped it there. And we couldn't find it. I was devastated. So I called Puttaparthi and I spoke to him. I said, what do I do? And he said, all you can do is pray. It's easy to say that sometimes. <laughs> but to really believe and do it is another thing. So anyway, I prayed, but as days went by and I didn't get it, I, I thought that was it. So anyway, I came, about two weeks later, I came to work in the hospital and in Darshan, I was, Swami called me and I went up and I said, Swami, my green ring. So he took my hand and then he looked at this watch and he said, I gave. I said, yes, Swami. Then he looked at this wedding ring and he said, I gave. I said, yes, Swami but my green ring (laughs) so he just held my hands and he smiled but I knew he wasn't going to give it to me Mm. so I said okay Swami can I so I said can I kiss your hand so he allowed me and I did that I sat down but anyway so I didn't get it he didn't materialize another one or anything I went back home to Australia and then early February this was two months later Suddenly, on my one Friday night, on my study table, there is my green ring. Wow. My wife cleans the house meticulously. And it, she would have done it so many times. But that Friday night, it was there. Mm. And I took it and I showed it to her. And I was in seventh heaven, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, I had it. But you won't believe, two days later, I woke up. I had a terrific colic, mm-hmm. a bad pain. To find later on, I went to the doctor, they gave me morphine injection, I had a kidney stone. Oh. And that was the situation, I was put into hospital, and when they put me in hospital, I wanted a, a single room. Mm. <laughs> but they said, it's not available, you'll have to share. And the sharing room was next to the, to the bay, where the nurses and the doctors meet. So anyway, I had the surgery and I came out and I was in the room and my son was with me. And 
I started feeling a little faint. So I told the nurse, I'm feeling a little dizzy. So she said, okay, she raised my feet so to increase blood flow to my head. And she said, call me in about half an hour. But I could feel myself blacking out completely. So I, and just at that point, I hear at the nurse's bay, a friend of mine, a physician. So I told my son, go and call Uncle Shiva immediately. And I was blurred. <laughs> he came in, he had a look and he said, you're in septicemia, you're having septicemia, you're going into shock. He gave me intravenous antibiotics, he gave me a saline drip with antibiotics and then oxygen and everything. And eventually I came around. But it showed a couple of things. Had he not been there and had I not been in that position, in that particular room, to hear his voice, I would not have been able to call him. And my problem would have been drawn out for many months, more severe and everything. But Swami, he put me in a particular place where I could hear his voice. He also gave me the ring for my protection. And had I not lost it and got it back, I would probably not have realized the significance of his role in helping me, in protecting me. I had to go through the karma, but I believe, I truly believe he mitigated it and protected me. And uh, that happened a couple of years ago. And um, it really showed me God's power. Yes. Yeah. And His protection. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I think every devotee has these moments uh, where you feel so many things falling in place. It's yes. Which cannot happen in an ordinary, no. normal course of things. No. It is only when someone is pulling the strings. Yes. And as you said. And the thing is to be. Oh, be aware of it yes and to watch out for such situations because sometimes it can be something very trivial very trivial but it is also a manifestation of god's love yes exactly you know it we we have to keep an eye out ah, yes to be aware of it absolutely i think i'll share with you what happened just two days ago you yes. asked me if i can help you with some printing <laughs> And that day I'm thinking about it and then this person comes along. Yes. I just cross him. In fact, he crossed me in the morning. He didn't strike. He crossed me again that day on the road. Yes. And I realized, yeah, this is the guy who does a lot of printing work. And then I immediately yes. sent him to the hospital. I mean, these are the small, small things. But yes, but that was working. a mission I had to do here because we are organizing a con Sci national conference yes. in January. Yes. And I had to find out about printing here. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, Everything, you have this little, yes. little miracles that happen in our lives True. and he's all the time there. Yes. As you said, we have to be aware, aware of that he is looking after and he's, yes. he's very much with us. Yes. Wonderful, sir. Coming back to your mm, serving in the hospital which you cherish the most. Yes. How is it different serving in Baba's hospital and working back in Australia? whether in your clinic or serving in any other place in Australia? I think by working here, 
I became aware of certain things which I took for granted earlier. For example, Swami has said that we do and leave the rest to Him. We should do it that way. But I never really felt it, although verbally I'd say, Swami, I offer this to you. Whether I really truly felt it, I do not know. When I came here, I found that there are so many things that happen in the hospital where the rate of failure is so minimal, if at all. Mm -hmm. And and Swami's hand in looking after the patients who come there is so very apparent. To give a little example, there was a young gentleman who chanted, used to chant Vedas. He came to have his wisdom tooth taken out. And I was doing it. An upper wisdom tooth normally has one root, and I was struggling with this one. When it came out, there were four roots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really, within me, I thought he's going to have such a lot of pain. And I feel very sad about it. I think partly ego as well. Because when you do it, you want things to be good. Mm-hmm. But I was feeling quite sad that this had to happen. But you won't believe that afternoon... This was done in the morning. That afternoon, he was there chanting the Vedas with full gusto. And when I asked him how he felt, he said, Oh, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. That could only be with Swami's grace. And there have been many times where I expect things to be quite a problem, but they turn out to heal quite nicely. In Baba's hospital? Yes. And I... We are also able here to do certain things I cannot do there. For example, here, I can tell a patient, think of Swami when I'm, and I will think of Swami and we will do the work. If they're frightened, I say, just say Swami's name in your mind and we will do the work that's needed. When I'm in Australia, I now, if I know a patient is a believer in God, whether Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or what, I tell them to say a prayer. For example, there was one lady, she had. She came in, it was Swami's birthday and I came into an emergency in Australia and she had a, a tooth to be taken out which would have been very difficult. So I told her, you say a prayer, say your Christian pray to Jesus, pray to Christ to help you. I will also say a prayer and we will work on this. And you won't believe, I just put my faucet there and it came out. Hmm. (laughs) And I learned to do certain things which I never did before. For example, like now even when I'm at work there, if I'm cementing a crown or doing something I try to imagine Swami's power working through me Mm. you know and uh, I say the Gayatri in my mind if there are times 
there are certain procedures you have to leave for 10 seconds or 15 seconds for a material to set for the light to cure and so on. I say, okay, I have to recite the Gayatri twice or whatever. And I, that is my timing mechanism now. Mm. And so I carry things over to my work there. I think I've learned to recognize more so now that I'm just a carpenter. Mm. God does the work. And the more I think like that, the more I find things become easier. Easier. Yes. Because it's like anything, like Swami gives the example of a child depending on the mother and not worrying about anything else. When, for example, I'm able to say, okay, Swami, you take care of this. It's like a big burden lifted off my, <laughs> off my chest, you know. And in theory, I should do that always. But in the rush of things, I forget. But periodically, I'm able to remind myself now. As you grow more spiritually, you will try to keep it more keep continuous. Keep it more so in anything that I do. Swami also says, I, I remember soon after I came, I attended a talk he gave in the mandir, and he said, the, a bulk of the healing of a patient is derived from the love and the care and, and the soft words that are spoken to the patient that they feel that they are value you know and I think that is something which I believe in now I, I, I believe partly because Swami told me that but also because I see that it is true it's working you know when, when one shows concern for an individual and you, 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 you speak kindly you show love in a sense. You show that the person has got some value, some intrinsic value. You know, you can say it's divinity or what. But just to say that a person has value and to, for us to recognize it and for them to recognize it, that itself is half the battle, I think. Hmm. When I was a student, when I was a, a teaching in, at university in Singapore, I would always tell the students, never think of patients as being crowns, root treatments, fillings, extractions. Always think of them as being a person with a, who needs a crown, a person who has a toothache, a person who needs a root treatment, so that you don't lose the personal element behind anything that is done. I think that is a crucial element for healing and for rapport with an individual because we are just doing the work but if and and i think that is true for any side devotee doing anything because swami keeps saying see the divinity in the other and all side devotees look at the sevadals look at people in the kitchens Anyone in any part of work, any type of work, when they try to remember what Swami tells them to do 
And when they try to realize that the other person also has value and has to be given that value, then they interact differently and the results are much more positive. Swami fulfilled my wish and he says, I give you what you want so that you will want what I want to give you. And that is so true because he fulfilled my wish to come and work here, to have proximity to him and so on. And by coming here, by interacting with people here, by being exposed to the environment here and being having greater exposure to Swami himself and his teachings and so on, it has changed my way of thinking to an extent and makes me want to, in a sense, aspire for what he wants to give me. Mm, I get that. Whether I, I'm successful in it, how successful I will be, I do not know. But I, I learned so much more in terms of life, in terms of interaction with people, in terms of understanding what Swami wants, what Swami teaches, in terms of appreciating what Swami teaches. All that, had I not had the opportunity to come here, I do not know whether I would have gained that insight. Yes, uh, Swami talks about these five koshas. You move on from Annamaya kosha to Pranamaya yes. kosha to Manomaya kosha, Vigyanamaya kosha, Anandamaya kosha. Yes. Ultimately, uh, uh, to aspire for that ultimate realization, you have to go through so many preparatory stages yes. of understanding and yes. of practicing. First, un think, understanding. But I think for me, the the great one of the greatest gifts Swami has given is the confidence within me that despite all my failings, Swami still loves me. That gives me such strength. And it's, it, it gives me peace of mind and allows me to do certain other things. It, it, I think that, that is the biggest gift he has given me, knowing that he loves me regardless of what faults I have. Because I know I have faults. I have many faults. My wife and children will testify, testimony to that. <laughs> you know? Mm. Yes. No, I think that is true for uh, every devotee because every person who has been blessed yes. by His love and grace knows for sure that he or she doesn't really deserve all that He gives. All that He has given. Yes. And you know that in spite of what you are, Swami is always uh, yes. looking after. He never gives us up. No. He never gives us up. And that's why that, going back to that picture of God reaching out to man. Yeah. Once He held my hand in a sense, I then want to get closer. Yes. You know. Yes. Whether I'm, whether I'm very successful, I don't know, but that desire is in me. Yeah. Yes. And, and that is that is the blessing, yes. that yearning. Yes. That 
to get that yearning for God itself a great blessing. Is a gift. Is a gift. True. And once that yearning is there, grace comes automatically. <laughs> Wonderful, sir. So there is so much uh, change that has happened in your personality. Uh, even if we look at, if you look at yourself as a doctor, what you were before a side devotee, uh, and now as a side devotee, as a side doctor, a lot of things have changed in the way you treat people, in the way you look after people. Yes, it has. It has mainly through greater understanding. I, I, I would be hesitant to say, as a side doctor, I, I would say any health professional, any devotee, their ultimate objective in in the work they carry out is to recognize the value of the other individual whom they are dealing with, to recognize the need to try and put into practice what Swami tells us to do, and to recognize the need to recognize, you don't have to recognize the need to to, uh, to to want to please Swami. Yes. Those are the three things which are common to anyone, regardless whether as a health professional or in catering or in public relations or anything, I think. Wonderful. Yes. In fact, the other day I was speaking to one artist, he's a singer, yes. Sumit Tapo, he's from yes. Fiji. Yes. And once he asked Swami, Swami, how do I know whether what I'm doing is right or wrong? And Swami said, very simple, before you do that, any particular act, before you think or act on that particular thought, just yes. ask yourself, will Swami like this? Yes. And you'll get your answer. Yes. Yeah. So, in, in in many ways, he's made things very simple for us. Yes. Uh, changing gears, uh, yes. you have authored a small book, 101 <laughs> Questions and Answers about Dental Health. That was about 25 years ago when my second daughter was born. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there are still yeah. people reading that book and it has a lot of useful tips about dental care and dental care is so dreadful, yeah. so frightening. I mean, visiting a dentist is not always a very welcome thing to do. No. But of course, I've always enjoyed it because it is you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Mm, you are known for uh, for being so soft-spoken and nice. But generally, people are scared about uh, visiting yes. a dentist. And so what is very important is preventive care. Yes. And I think it would be nice if you could apprise all our listeners about certain minimum disciplines you know, one has to follow um, to maintain good teeth, to maintain good... To, to do service, you have to have good health. And to have yes. good health, you have to have good teeth. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's the... Dietary habits yes. that are paramount to look to look after children from the time they are born, to get them used to good dental habits, to dietary habits, not to give, for example, one gives a pacifier or milk bottle, not to put sugar in it, not to give sweets or anything like that. Because a child, when a child is born, has no developed taste buds. We cultivate taste in the child. Just as we cultivate bad habits in a child, generally, you know, even the taste. So the, is if the child is not if used a child to is sweet, not exposed to sweet, sweet, it will not necessarily demand it. Mm. So it's it's a question of trying to introduce good habits from the beginning. It's like Swami says, when a child is in in, in the womb to play, 
uh, nice bhajans and good music that's yes. what the child will develop with and develop yes. a liking for yes so it's the same principle really and uh, with that i mean it, it's it's proper brushing and flossing but but uh, the the problem that is faced in communities like here in puttaparthi is is a financial the 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 problems related to income mm-hmm. the problems related to education uh prioritizing they have to prioritize their time whether they can take time off work to come to a clinic whether they can afford it especially all the rural know. poor yes. people yes and and that is the challenge to so perhaps they come only when the disease is very severe yes in fact we f- I, i come across cases here which i i hardly ever see in australia you see patients coming with oral ca- cancers you f- which in australia i would have seen maybe one over the last 5 6 years here sometimes you see a couple in a day oh, or you God. find children with abscesses draining from e- externally from outside which one hardly ever sees there and uh, th- that's basically p- because of having to prioritize resources and time and so education uh, if one could introduce preventative education that is the ideal thing mm. we have a problem with the indigenous communities in australia the same way and so they they they're focusing on health education there as well talking yes. about uh, dental care and somi i remember somi uh, mentioning and we've yes. seen that also whenever somi used to eat something he would go and he would brush <laughs> he really yeah. i did not know that yeah he would do it yeah in fact i remember in kodaikanal uh, when after the darshan somi was going up to his room and then um, he just turned back and then he said you boys you see me that i go to my room very often yes intermittently during the day so many times i do it uh it's not because i am going to the bathroom i am going because a lot of people they touch my feet they kiss my feet and i have to yes. keep my feet extremely clean that's why i go every other time to ensure really? that it's clean I mean if you look at Somi's life so there's so many lessons anything exactly. you take and you will find how he was so he thinks of how he can benefit others and look after others mm. yeah he's all yes. the time thinking about the other yes. person not about yes. himself same even in dental care <laughs> he's been so careful about <laughs> what he was eating and how much he was eating and uh, how is one thing I would have sleep. loved to do to have been able to see him as a patient <laughs> <laughs> that that's not a privilege <laughs> yeah so wonderful sir it's been wonderful uh, talking to you and thank, thank you so much for sharing about uh, your experiences and your insights thank you for allowing me uh, did you ever think that you'll be interviewed on radio sai never <laughs> never <laughs> Even when you asked me a couple of years ago I was very hesitant to do that. <laughs> so it uh, but the other day I, I I was always saying no to you but something a couple of days ago when I went for my morning walk something told me to say okay I don't know what so I 
So Fair that is again somebody working behind the scenes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here sir. Thank you very much. Uh, we really enjoyed and I hope every listener true had uh, so much to take from this conversation. I hope so too. Thank you. Side on. Side on. You just heard a conversation with Dr. Nareen Chellappa, an eminent dentist from Australia who is an active member of the Sai Organization of Australia. Besides other philanthropic activities, Dr. Chellappa serves in the Sri Satyasai General Hospital Prashantinilayam twice a year for 7 to 8 weeks each. In conversation with Dr. Nareen was Radio Sai's Bishu Prushti This was yet another episode of our weekly series Trist with Divinity and it was recorded in the studios of Radio Sai in March 2012. We hope you enjoyed this program. We look forward to your feedback. Please feel free to write to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and Sai Ram. <laughs>